life was like a box of chocolates. There is no place like... You talking to me? All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Nobody puts baby in a I could have been a contender. He's looking at you, kid. Here's Johnny. A very particular set of skills. Your milkshake. Go ahead. Make my day. I'll be back. I am the father. I'm Spartacus. Shell off to my little friend. Why so serious? You shall not All right, welcome to a Real Features podcast. Today we have the pleasure of speaking with a fellow Australian entertainment podcaster and fellow movie nerd. Uh, his, <laughs> his popular podcast has seen a big following, which includes a range of in-depth reviews, giveaways, guest interviews with some of Hollywood's elite, including Jake Gyllenhaal, Hugh Grant, Jordan Peele, Michael Bay, Baz Luhrmann, a lot. Um, so uh, we're also very excited to have this man on to help us nostalgia review one of his favorite films. It's an absolute classic with Steven Spielberg and one of my uh, one of my Hollywood crushes, Tom Cruise. Um, so we'll get yeah. it. <laughs> uh, he's one half of Popcorn Podcast. Please welcome Tim Ifland. How are you going, mate? Hey, Paul. Hey, Sam. Uh, hey. So excited and happy to be here. Uh, fellow movie nerd, yes. And actually, can you, you've probably got that intro written down somewhere. Can you just send that to me? Because that's great. <laughs> I'm going to use that on our website and, and in future episodes. Yeah. You, you've done my job for me in trying to, you know, the elevator pitch sell myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, look, and it's an impressive list, especially the uh, the name dropping. And that's all part of this. But there was a lot of name dropping there. And some of those names... Very impressive. I mean, like, this is probably a very hard question to start off with, but is there someone that when you interviewed them, you were like, oh my God, like, this is my guy or gal or whatever, like, you were just, that is my person. And you, you know, you got that star kind of, uh, you know, effect from them. Have yeah, you had sure. someone outside of us? Obviously, yes. obviously, of yeah, course. yeah, that makes yeah. sense, <laughs> of course. That much is clear. Uh, I just want to clarify though that the name dropping didn't come from me, it came from you guys. <laughs> So uh, I'm thanks the for clear. the money though. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are cheap. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. Like when, when you were saying that uh, prompting me to think of someone that I've spoken to that really, um, you know, made me go all starry eyed and, and pinch myself. It, I, I got chills because I, I feel so privileged and lucky to talk to these filmmakers and these actors uh, in these forums to talk about their art and what they're creating uh, for audiences alike. But there has to be there has to be one, and it was almost a year ago to the day when uh, Elvis was released, and I spoke to Olivia De Jong, who plays um, Priscilla. I spoke to one of the producers, Skylar Weiss. I spoke to the one and only Catherine Martin, who is a producer on the film, costume designer, and production designer, four-time Oscar winner. Now wow. I am dropping names and accolades, <laughs> Here we but, go. but but the number but the number one has to have been. Uh, Aussie icon Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. Um, he was just wonderful to speak with. And there's a lot of the interview or the conversation that isn't on record. And we were just chatting about his experience at Cannes. Uh, he complimented what I was wearing. Uh, oh. <laughs> I, I was basically wearing the same thing as him. I was wearing a leather jacket and nice. you know, boots and I was trying to play the part. And he was, he was wearing something quite similar, but with a pop of yellow on the shirt. Uh, he was just really accommodating. Uh, so freaking cool. Do you, do you have time for a small anecdote in terms of my, yeah. my very yeah. first introduction to Baz? Do so it. with these press junkets, as you know, 
there's a lot of waiting around and I was shuffled. Baz was meant to be my first of the day, but it ended up being my last. So I was hanging around like a bad smell and I was holding on. I was like this, I'm not, I'm not going to, he's not going to slip through my fingers here. I'll accommodate Deborah Knight at channel nine because she's on a time crush. That's fine. Uh, (laughs) But I'm definitely going to speak to Baz and he brings his own vibe. He brings his own sort of his, his own mood. And He's walking around the halls of the of the hotel that the press junket was taking place in. And I imagine it was like a, an assistant of, of some kind. And they're carrying around a, like a like a portable speaker with music playing. So wherever he goes, he's playing, he's setting the tone, setting his mood. He's always surrounded by music. Music is such a huge layer of all his films. And he he just he speaks through the visual language of movies, but as well as the audible language. And music plays a huge part. So yeah. I just thought. Fuck me. He's cool, man. He is so cool. So the music plays then just before the, the, they start recording for the interviews. And when it's done, it comes back on. Like he's just always got this sound, always got this mood going. So he's literally got his own soundtrack to life. Wow. It's like the old school jukebox where they'd, you know, walk around. (laughs) It, It reminded me of that scene in batman where they're in the art gallery and yes. the guys came around the boombox yeah, and they're listening yeah, with, to prince with nicholson <laughs> yeah with nicholson yeah. i was like gosh yeah. i'm getting those vibes from baz right now all right can you remember any of the music like what the songs or artists were that were getting played uh, look i yeah that's a very good question here i'm saying something that happened and i'm like i don't know what it was playing i think it was like it was it was disco at the time it, oh. it was it was like funky disco that he, yeah. that he had playing uh, in that moment, walking through the halls. What yeah. a vibe you bring into a room with disco or funk playing. It's just yeah. like, hey, it's, yeah. it's, it's just a party. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good yeah, if you it said awesome. it was like death metal or something. He's just walking yeah. around like completely opposite. To... Yeah, I would have been slightly uh, scared. Yeah. That was the maybe, case. maybe it depends on his mood, music for mood. I don't know. That's uh, yeah. that's very cool. That's a cool maybe. story. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you're obviously uh, a big movie nerd like us. What, where did that start? Where'd your obsession for for movies? Can you remember the moment that sort of like, or you just kind of had this sort of thing in you all along? I, yeah, from I reckon. Yeah, from birth, <laughs> I came out of the womb and I, I said action. Um, yeah. <laughs> my parents were terrified. Um, <laughs> no, I, I th- my very first memory of seeing a movie on the big screen. Uh, what and my my neck is still recovering um, because I was in the front row. I remember vividly was uh, the Lion King, which kind of shows my age a little bit, but I was quite young at the time, uh, and that has always uh, followed me through. And I've just always been obsessed, really obsessed with understanding how they do stuff. So, in the in the time of DVDs, I know they're not dead, but I, I don't buy them anymore. But the behind the scenes features and documentaries, I was I was more interested in finding out how they got that shot or, or how they came to that decision than anything else. Um, but the movie that made me go, holy shit. And my life was never the same was the Lord of the Rings of fellowship of the ring. Um, partly because I guess I was of an age where I could really appreciate and take in the story and the scope and the scale of, of that piece of art. Um, but also I didn't touch my popcorn for two and a half hours. And that is a very, very telltale sign of me and popcorn. And I looked down at the end and I'd scratched the surface during the trailers and I hadn't touched it again since because I was just so engrossed. So if there is like a moment, it has to be uh, Fellowship of the Ring for me. Absolutely. Have you seen the new series? Have you? uh, Yeah, I loved it. 
Yeah, you liked it. And have you yeah. heard, apparently uh, they're looking to make more movies of them as well. To, and they're trying to hit up Peter Jackson, believe it or not, which is interesting. But yeah. Do you know what? I can't keep up with the rights for the Tolkien estate and who owns what and, it, and what medium TV, movies, games. Yeah. It's I'm just going to wait for it to come out and then I'll just watch it. it it's like <laughs> a minefield of legalities out there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, you were talking about your love of popcorn and your podcast is called mm-hmm. Popcorn. Is that connected? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, what's in a name? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Like, one would think, oh, did you sit down and eat popcorn for every session? But you know, like how y- your voice is a temple with these things. Like, yeah. imagine having popcorn stuck in the back of your throat oh. as you're trying yeah. to as you're trying to speak. So, uh, no, Correct. but but more often than not, probably ninety percent of the time, I still get popcorn with every movie that I see in the cinema, yeah. without a doubt. It's part of the experience. It's just, mm-hmm. It just goes hand in hand. Makes 100%. sense. 100%. I'm 80% corn yeah. <laughs> as, as, a, as a human being. 80% yeah, corn. Yeah, when I get my blood tested, they're like, your corn levels are yeah, yeah. really high. Uh, around it. <laughs> 20% water. That's it. Yeah, That's 20% water. water. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And, and in terms of like the genesis of your podcast and the popcorn mm. podcast, did that just come kind of what you were just saying there through that, uh, you know, want to know more about film and how they're put together and people and the people behind them? Was that kind of the the genesis of that or yeah all my friends and family would uh, just at nauseam i'd want to talk to them about the latest movie that came out i was always talking about films and lee who's my co-host is the creator of popcorn podcast and i've known lee for a long long time she was my manager at mcdonald's in my very first job so we go way back to me being in high school And we developed this connection over our mutual love of movies. And she's an entertainment journalist uh, and, and she's written for all sorts of publishers and, and interviewed uh, celebrities and, and directors throughout her career. Um, so she had uh, uh, created this sort of base of connections and, and such like that, that led us to create Popcorn Podcast together. Um, and there was quite a long time, probably about a decade where we hadn't seen each other because we were both working and living in other countries at at different times. And so, you know how, when Facebook serves your like memories, which are absolute, like a cringe city. And when you think I did not feel the need to share that about myself. (laughs) Why did I put that up there? Why is that there? (laughs) My brother does, he revisits it every day and deletes anything that he's like, absolutely not. I actually quite, I lean into it. It's a moment in time. It's, it (laughs) was who I was at one point. So not anymore. Uh, What was my point? Oh yeah. And so we uh, often in my memories and things when I'm talking about, you know, Facebook statuses that I've seen a movie, Lee and I, almost every time would have just this two-hander going on in the comments talking about movies. So we always connected and stayed in touch over that. And then, yeah, four, just over four years ago, she reached out and was like, hey, I've got this idea. I couldn't think of anyone else I'd want to do it with. And, yeah, the rest is history. Here we are still doing it and loving it. Wow. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, Are there any genres of movies or anything in particular that that you particularly like from your... Oh, look, like you got a go-to sort of thing that, yeah. Oh, I go to anything. I think it's yeah. about educate, don't discriminate uh, mm-hmm. in terms of, and until you try a genre out or what a filmmaker is trying to say and do differently, then, I mean, it, it can sway your opinion. But I, I really do love the action genre and sci-fi. Obviously, Minority Report, which we're going to talk about, falls into into those categories. 
but fantasy is absolutely a high one. Um, I'm literally going to uh, list out every genre. I, I really love uh, a great, intelligent, gripping, emotional drama too. I'm a lover of the animation genre. I mean, I can go on. I think I am always willing to take in any sort of story through whatever medium. And if it resonates with me and I have the privilege to talk about it, then, you know, that's pretty special, I reckon. Yeah. That's awesome. That's the definition of a, I guess, a movie buff, right? Movie nerd. Movie nerd. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's awesome. Well, Mr. Cookson, should we get to Minority Report or did you have some other questions for Tim or do we delve into it? What do you want? I just wanted to know, I mean, this is going to be a hard one for you as well, but do you have a favourite actor or actress as well? Uh, I know that's like the impossible question, but is there, uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. And I'm going to embarrass myself here because I grew up with an utter infatuation and obsession with Nicole Kidman. Oh, okay. So much so that I had a like a wall. I don't know if I've ever said this anyway. Uh, in my bedroom, <laughs> I, I, I had like cutouts of Nicole Kidman all on my wall from all the magazines because obviously when I was a tween turning into a teenager or whatever, that's when she kicked off you know after her after her divorce from tom that's when her career just skyrocketed and of course she had some incredible uh work take place in the early to mid 90s like to die for and batman forever among many others um but uh yeah she was just everywhere uh and i i really admire her i really admire her work and um if if there is someone that i could die happy man if i if i've interviewed it's nicole kimmon and i i manifest it daily <laughs> yeah yeah so that and that's that's a good question too that i think we had written down but that's a that's your number one that's who you'd be i mean literally you die happy yeah man. yeah but i'd be really concerned about how i would approach that conversation yeah uh, <laughs> w- would i tell her about my wall uh of her don't open would, with it w- yeah, w- yeah. yeah don't open with it Hi, my name's Tim, and I was mildly, unhealthily obsessed with you uh, when I was 15 years old, yeah. and I may still be at 35. Yeah. <laughs> you can ask anyone. Yeah, yeah. I'll play it cool. I reckon I'll I'll play yeah. it cool. Maybe I'll set the mood. Maybe I'll walk in with my own music and I sound, think so. and yeah. she'll just be like, "Oh my god, yeah. Baz does that." I've worked yeah. with him. Before. Does he? Didn't get it from him. That's for sure. That's my own thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Totally original idea. Exactly. Awesome. awesome well yes i think we do it we're doing we, it we dive into the nostalgia let's step into that time yeah. machine oh yeah and go all the way back to what well, was a 2002 minority report mm. before we get into it i'll give it a quick summary pretty sure everyone would have seen this by now but uh directed <laughs> by steven spielberg written by scott frank and john cohen um it's based on the book uh also called minority report by philip k dick um it Stars, of course, Tom Cruise, Max Van uh, Von Sido, um, Colin Farrell, um, Samantha Morton, Neil McDonough, who, um, yeah, a lot. Um, and believe it or not, Frank Grillo is also makes a, a cameo as well, which is pretty funny. Um, uh, it the budget was 102 million. Um, it bought in 358. So pretty, pretty good. Hmm. Um, currently is 7.6 on INDB, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yeah, uh, I guess a basic synopsis. Uh, again, if you're listening to this, you've probably seen it. Um, in a future where a special police unit is able to arrest murderers before they commit their crimes, an officer from that unit is himself accused of a future murder. So, 
Um, excellent choice. We're very excited with this one, Tim. Uh, can you tell us why you chose this one and, you know, why, what, you know, why you think it's so good? Uh, and yeah, that's oh, a pretty open thanks. question, but. <laughs> you know, this excites me coming on to, to talk to you guys because with, with Popcorn Podcast, we only talk about new release movies. So those that are coming out in cinemas, which is great. It's, it's really new stuff and we're in, we're out, we're in, we're out. So the opportunity to look back and identify a film that I just I just absolutely love for so yeah. many reasons is so exciting. So th- thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, but like Minority Report selfishly was a film that I hadn't actually seen in a few years. And so I was really looking forward to the opportunity for a rewatch, which is always fun for a movie buff because you have a preconceived notion about how a movie made you feel, what you liked about it. And it's always a little scary and uncertain territory to then put it on again some probably 10, 15 years for me mm. and hope to God that the validation of that it is still a good movie um as as i recall um that it is and uh and i have to say like it it a it has aged very 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 well um maybe not in some of the special effects which maybe we'll we'll talk about in in some point but it is a moment in time you know we're talking 20, 10 oh sorry 20, 20 yeah, years ago 20, more than 20 years, years ago yeah. my goodness but why i love it is is because for me it's like it's Spielberg playing in the sci-fi genre. I'm a real big fan of AI, artificial intelligence, which he made the year before in 2001. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember seeing that at that age and then several times since. And I really have a soft spot for that movie. And then Minority Report is just him having another crack at that sci-fi genre because AI is, is quite decisive. You either love or you hate that movie. Yeah. Then Minority Report just kind of brings in peak Spielberg uh, it brings in peak Tom Cruise, uh, and it brings in, uh, which I think is a, a really underrated performance of their uh, filmography as Colin Farrell. I mean, just mm, all those yeah, ingredients yeah. are just delicious to watch play out. And Spielberg is playing in a really unique visual style here. He's doing something different that he that I don't think he he'd ever done before in this way. Um, and definitely not since, I don't think maybe war of the worlds plays in that visual space slightly a couple of yep. years later. Um, but it's just a gorgeous movie to look at paired with a really sharp, crisp, uh, whodunit basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they're kind of like the, the main sort of in a nutshell headlines. It's just a great story, visually captivating, brilliant performances and, it's paced so well, even at almost two and a half hours. So, I mean, yeah. and that, that is not an easy thing to get right. And we're seeing that so much in movies these days where so true. every yeah. movie is 17 hours long and <laughs> it does not need to be. So no. I, I was nervous about going into this because I look, I'm always obsessed with looking at the runtime of a movie, which is uh, yeah. probably a good or a bad thing before I go and watch it. Yeah. And I thought, oh, fuck, it's two hours and 25 minutes. <laughs> All right, yeah. Let's go. But yeah. Uh, yeah, my my worries uh, were fizzled out pretty quickly because it just had me on tender hooks, uh, even still today. Yeah. yeah. And it's even got a bit of a darkness to it, which I like which yeah. for, for Spielberg. Like, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's, of, yeah, it's got that, that, um, yeah, that kind of dark element to it, which I guess makes sense because it's based around murders and things. But yeah, um, <laughs> but it is, it's just the, even the coloring of it and everything. Mm. It's very cool. Yeah, everything's overexposed and yeah uh i i think 
um, uh, Paul, you you said gr- you said gritty. It's really yeah. gritty. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's dirty almost. You know the, yeah. the underbelly of Washington D.C. You think, oh, pre-crime is this wonderful thing. There hasn't been a murder in six years. Um, but the underbelly of D.C. is gritty and violent and gross. Um, and just amazing from a storytelling and visual perspective yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Like obviously when Tom's on the run and he's going, you know, <laughs> kind of obviously trying to get his his drugs, and then and then he goes to try and get his eyes done, and that whole scene with um, oh, uh, with the actor's name is is um, actually, I don't think I've got it written down. Um, the guy does the eye surgery. Um, uh, Storm, Storm Peter Storm That's yeah, it, Peter Storm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, it's just it's so good because like that whole scene. Um, oh. You know, even when he's like, you know, he drugs him and then he just reveals to him, oh, by the way, you caught me for burning victims. <laughs> I think it was lighting people on fire. It's yeah. So dark. It's so, yeah. dark. so dark. Yeah. I and then still... he brings in his assistant with the big mole and, and then... Uh... Yeah, the mole. <laughs> Austin Powers would have a field day. Oh, like that <laughs> it might have been inspiration. Yeah. It may have. It yeah. may have. Uh, that that sneeze that uh, oh, Peter Stormare intro to him. I actually, yeah. I, I'm not going to gag because that is not nice for the listener uh, in, in the medium of podcast, but fuck, it is as visceral as I remember it being. Oh, it's oh. like, there's so much to it. And then nasty. Uh, yeah. And then even like, obviously he's, you know, got the two bits of rope and then he goes to the fridge and it's oh. like, I love that he's like, puts all this like rotten moldy food in between <laughs> the, the one good sandwich and yeah, that is that also made me almost dry reach watching that scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah. It's not enjoy it's not an enjoyable which it's certainly not enjoyable for Anderson with what the hell has just happened where he's had uh you know someone else's eyes put in his body, but then yeah, yeah munching on a manky sandwich isn't good for <laughs> anyone. <not> right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um but it just as a, a concept too, the like I, I just remember that even that first scene, I think it is so mm. viscerally like the, which it really sets up the whole plot of being arrested or being getting into trouble for crimes you haven't yet committed. But the guy, you know, they go through the house and it kind of plays out the whole scene. And then there's even the team, the SWAT team coming in and arresting him for that, you know, the murder that he didn't like, that's such a cool scene. And yeah. I think that it just sums up the film at the start so well. Mm. It, it really shows how they're pushing the boundaries from a storytelling perspective with like incredible editing and the special effects and just, yeah, that whole concept of, uh, of pre-crime and, that, and, yeah. and it shows, it tells so much of the story visually um, without it being mansplained to you. I think this yeah. movie does a really good job in communicating really heavy detailed exposition because they show as much as they tell, you know, Tom Cruise yeah. with the, with the gloves, which is just so the coolest good. fucking yeah. thing ever. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's <laughs> moving that. things around, yeah. how the camera moves and he's communicating to his team, how he's trying to understand or figure out where this crime will take place. Cause there ain't yeah. no street signs or it, there's no Google map pin drop going on. Yeah. This is where yeah. it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it. Pop it in, pop it in your Tesla and off you go. Yeah. Uh, well, Alexis in, in this, in this case. Yeah, that's um, right. 
but uh, yeah, it's just a really clever way from a like an exposition story communication perspective because he's communicating it to his team and vicariously communicating it to you. So there's just really clever clever story beats in there that don't bang it over the head, and you mm. you're you're experiencing it in at the time rather than having this scene where you're sitting down over a mahogany desk communicating stuff mm, and yeah. you're like, oh, okay, so this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. It's just go go go, and it does a yeah. great job at communicating all those beats to you. It's so yeah. true. Yeah, it's not dialogue heavy in that way. You mm. don't have to get it through. Yeah, as you say, the the office scene where you just got to sit there and concentrate intently. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The pacing on this, uh, you know, two and a half hours. I remember an hour through, and like just the nonstop kind of action where it's just kind of firing to each thing. It's just um, yeah. so many great scenes. We get Tom Cruise running, which is always a beautiful mm. thing. Seeing him do his power yeah. run. Um, was there like a scene in particular that kind of stood out for you other than kind of the ones we've just covered, but like throughout the movie? Because there's sort of like like some key scenes in there, you know, obviously like that fantasy dungeon where he's going in there. Yeah, that's that's cool. the, uh, the the intro about the spiders that are going through. Mm. Um, even the scene where like obviously they're escaping um, um, the, the fantasy dungeon sort of thing where she's predicting every you know, grab the, grab the umbrella, uh, you know, wait here for the balloons to come past all that sort yeah. of stuff. Like don't yeah. go home. He knows. Oh, yeah, that that's woman. Right. She's like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine someone yeah. lady that just stopping you, telling you some random, like, just like, all right, yeah, great, like, all right yeah. nice. if I give you money out of my wallet, will you go yeah. away? Like, just get away from me. Yeah. Exactly. Oh gosh. You listed out so many great, um, action set pieces, but, I think one that again on this rewatch sort of mentality about how well or or, or did or didn't age was the jetpack scene um, yeah. where they're going up and down, you know, the stairwell and stuff. And um, I mean, yes, I think 20 or so many years on it, it's not as tight as I think it could be. Um, but it goes without saying that if that scene was produced now, it'd be all CGI and you would yeah. never get the same visceral sort of tangible um, reaction and interaction with that scene. It doesn't look awful, but it looks yeah. a little clunky, but I remember just fucking loving uh, <laughs> that jetpack scene as yeah. a kid. And I thought it was the coolest thing because everyone wanted a jetpack. Yeah, I mean, pack, just, I they still oh, do. Let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've always been curious to do that. The water jetpack uh, thing. Yeah. I think oh, I yes, would eat. Yeah. I would eat shit in it. Yeah, it yeah. It's how I would go. It'd just be like concrete on the on the water. Um, but uh, it's it's really admirable in terms of there's a surprising amount of in camera stuff here, which is which is really cool and. Um, yeah, I, I really liked I really liked the jetpack scene still even to today, despite it yeah. being a tad it, clunky. Yeah, yeah, it's funny you say that about the jetpacks. I wrote down the ineffective jetpacks, but when you say that, because <laughs> it's that is literally like, a note. They were very clunky, and um, and yeah. like you know how they're sort of doing it. Um, but now you say that it's actually kind of true. Like you think you know, watch things like Mandalorian and all that sort of stuff. And, and he's just somehow he knows exactly where to go. It sort of just powers itself without even touching that thing. And right. uh, whereas this is like. It actually, if there was a jetpack, like where you've got the handles they're holding onto on the side to kind of like control mm. it and stuff like that, like it actually probably the realism is probably a bit more there, even though it looked a little bit clunky. You're right, actually. Yeah. And, and that's a trademark of Spielberg. Uh, yeah. Right up until like now, he he revels in the in-camera practical stuff. I mean, we see it so prominently in his Indiana Jones series. And mm. that that is just such a visual stamp where you know 
you you know that that's a Spielberg movie because he's doing something for the audience and the actors that is real and he's putting yeah. them in, in in that space. Um, another incredible scene which I kind of forgot was in this movie, but it made me instantly think of the exact same secrets being used uh, in John Wick Chapter Four recently. Yeah. Is that a overhead shot of the yes. apartment complex when the spiders are in there trying yeah. to identify all the residents and I was like, fuck, this is the OG shot of this. Yeah. This, this yeah, is where yeah. John Wick absolutely got inspiration from. That's true. Um, it is an incredible piece of cinematography and, and blocking. It's just stunning. Yeah. I, I love that as well, that like each each room they go into is like, I think it's people having sex to then another couple yeah. fighting to yeah. then a dude on a toilet, like just like yeah. typical yeah. sort of like it's almost yeah. the uh yeah, lifetime of a relationship, yeah. how it how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh amazing. Yeah. Um now part of this what we do with some guests, Tim, and you're mm. one of them, is we do a bit of trivia. Ooh, so oh, so yes. Yeah, I've got a bit of trivia for you. I reckon you're going to do pretty well. It's it's um it's true or false for the most part. Actually, there's one choose an option. Anyway, I'll walk you through it. You'll be great. Okay, cool. You've got so, it. So I'll follow you later. Oh, this this makes me nervous. It. it is a bit, <laughs> and I get that we've sprung it on you. You know, it's an asshole move, but we're, we're going to go with it. If I if I just freeze and I don't say anything, <laughs> am I still the here? Clock going in the background. Though. <laughs> <laughs> My dog walks by. I'm like, yeah. 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 You ratted me out. Tim, we know. All right. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. True or false? The special effects for the title sequence were supplied by the same company that did Seven. Uh, yes, true. That is true. Spielberg loved him. That's why he got him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nicely done. In one of the many running scenes, they clocked Tom Cruise running at 57 kilometers an hour. True or false? Oh, that's got to be false. That's insane. <laughs> that is false. It that looks like false. he's running that fast, though. Oh, he he does. I mean, he'd probably say, yeah, run 57 case, whatever, Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he'd at least be running in the in the 30s, do you probably. reckon? Probably. I don't know. Yeah. Like, the thing is, his legs move fast, but they're, like, Little legs. One and a half little, feet yeah. long. So they're moving quickly. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I wonder if that stat is somewhere. Let's clock Tom Cruise. Maybe, yeah, maybe right there's too. a way in, in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 that I'll I'll, I'll try and figure out. Yeah, work out how, how many how meters to... a second, and then we can we can extrapolate it out. We can work yeah. that out. Yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, number three. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise began filming only days after finishing what film? This is multiple choice. A, Magnolia. B, Vanilla Sky. C, The Last Samurai. It'd be in terms of Magnolia's 99, Vanilla Sky 01, and what was the other one? The Last Samurai. I think that's 2004, so it wouldn't have filmed that early, so I'm going to say Vanilla Sky. Dude, well done. Nice. Crushing it. 100% so far. This is impressive. I don't have to pretend I'm frozen yet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Which one sold more tickets in opening week? Lilo and Stitch or Lilo and Stitch or Minority Report? Which one sold more tickets in opening week? Oh, my God. I, I'm obsessed with box office opening weekends. This is making me stressed. <laughs> what a great question. Thank you. Um, okay. I'm just trying to... Th- I don't know. I might say... I might say Lilo and Stitch, but uh, uh, it's based on pure gut feel. Mm-hmm. 
so Lilo and Stitch did sell more tickets, huh. but it but it grossed less because they were all kids' tickets. That's right. <laughs> so it's a bit of a trick question. So you're right. correct. You are correct. Okay, Lilo I'm right. and okay. Stitch did sell more tickets, which was a question. But yep. in terms of box office gross, mm. um, Minority Report was first. Yes. Because they were all yeah. adult tickets. Which is why I love the sort of box office takings um, compared to inflation. And then, yeah. you know, Sound of Music and Gone with the Wind just come out of nowhere. They're number one, you know, billions <laughs> of dollars ahead of Avatar and, yeah. and Endgame and stuff just because <laughs> the tickets were like two cents back in the day. <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. yeah. 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 All right. Last question. True or false? Meryl Streep was originally cast as Iris Hindman, but backed out. Uh, I do know this and that's true. That's right. Yes. Tim, wow. 100%, mate. Six out of six. It. Bang. <laughs> Very impressive. You know I, uh, apparently there was this, all these other people that were were originally cast in, in yeah. this. Are, are you aware of of the the who's who in the zoo of Hollywood at the time that that were meant to be in this? There was uh, Matt Damon. Uh, yeah, Matt Damon was meant to be Whitwer, which is Colin Farrell. Yeah, and yeah. Um, Kate Blanchett was meant to be oh. Agatha. And like Samantha Morton is all time in in this movie. She yeah. just goes balls to the wall with, yeah. with this performance. She is fucking unbelievable. Yeah. She's partly why like the movie doesn't lose its steam because the precogs are just there stagnant, not doing anything. But then when she's out in the elements in the world yeah. and she is as terrified um, and as sort of like, so invested in this whole thing, like her performance yeah. just goes up to a hundred. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, no, those are, yeah. Those are what, what if moments of what would have it been like if Kate Blanchett was Agatha? I mean, I'm fascinated by that, but you can, yeah. definitely, go to, you can definitely go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. That's, a, that's right. Hole. So, ah, it's a different film. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, totally. Yeah. Um, but no, too. You don't yeah. Sorry, Paul, go. I was going to say, I, I've got some other facts I'll reel off too. I was I was holding off to reel them off in case I uh, destroyed your quiz. Cannibalized the trivia. Yeah. <laughs> so I always put hold on them. But uh, some other interesting ones I wrote down with that was, um, and it kind of tied into one of your questions, but um, um, Cameron Diaz and Cameron Crowe, um, who were in, what was the film that had just come off? Vanilla uh, Sky. Vanilla Sky. They cameo in the bus scene along really? with Paul Thomas Anderson. Apparently, they're in the background. That's so that's so interesting. Random. I'll keep an eye out for them. Although I think Thomas uh, Anderson said that he even tried to find himself and couldn't on screen, so he must have hidden him on the back or something like that. Um, the other one was uh, a fourth of the budget was apparently financed by product placement. Believe it or not. Oh, yeah. So well, you mentioned Lexus, Tim. Like that's yeah, yeah. Lexus, um, it's, it's, Nokia. It's such a- it's such yeah. a clever way to incorporate advertising into a product though. Because yeah. like I come from a sales and, and content partnerships background. So I were I've worked for many years in um in uh product placement within yeah. television. <laughs> yeah. Um so that's like uh, it's a bit of a wet dream, this movie for me in in that sense, because <laughs> it's it's really clever. I mean, the whole Lexus thing is and, and, you know, all, all the things that they're communicating to you because of the, the eye scan, they, yeah. they can identify who you are. So it's targeted advertising, which is, yeah. you know, happening now anyway, yeah. um, uh, through those goddamn Facebook ads, they hear you and they, and they, and they serve <laughs> you some really yeah. random shit. Um, but it's also, it's also a really clever way to integrate a product into a film that makes sense for, for story. And yeah. then when you have that incredible action set piece in the car manufacturing, uh, yes. in, in there, 
and he's basically fighting within a new Lexus being made and then drives <laughs> off with it. I mean, no one has ever done it like that before. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just iconic. It's even this, the scene where he walks in to find clothes for her. So he walks into a gap, uh, you know, trying yeah. to clothes, which easily could have been, I found clothes, put these on, but you know, we've worked that into the storyline to get oh, an extra million dollars, whatever it is. Yeah. It's so good. And Nokia, I think are another one. They paid like $2 million to put all their stuff or as many phones as possible in it. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that'll age the film more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's <on a> futuristic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the futuristic Nokia. Oh, Anderson's playing Snake 2. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, he's 3310, you know. <laughs> Blackberry just missed out on that contract. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Missed it by that much. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um, a few others. Apparently Spielberg and Cruz both agreed not to take salaries. They took 15% of the box office which is pretty insane. Uh, uh, apparently it was also originally intended to be a sequel to Total Recall, which you can kind of see that could kind of work. Yeah. Um, um, an interesting one, Colin Farrell needed 36 takes to mm. say the line, I'm sure you all understand the fundamental paradox of pre-crime methodology, which is a bit of a tongue twister. That is an Dude, you got it though. <laughs> you just got it then in one. They could have saved a lot of money and got you to play it. He practiced 40 times before we hit record, Great. though. Don't you Four remember? Scissors, yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I secretly wanted you to, yeah, bung that. Butcher so it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and finally, which is interesting and kind of typical Cruise, uh, sorry, Spielberg, but apparently he, to try to determine what 2054 would look like, he pulled together uh, 23 futurists, whatever that means, uh, into a think tank, uh, and they created an 80-page bible on like what the world would look like so he's gone to that depth so pretty crazy but um yeah anyway few facts there one thing i did think about it as well was um probably the the ending so a spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't seen a film from 20 years ago but um <laughs> uh but you know that whole twist where obviously he comes in he's supposed to shoot them shoot that guy pretty crazy scene where you've got all the the photos and and then like the reveal Mm. set up and you know max who's uh was a max um van uh um von uh, saito who's, who's awesome he's been in so many great films as well um yeah it kind of yeah it was so well done with that whole twist of how he's he got away with his murder as well all those sort of scenes it's a mm. uh, great ending to yeah, yeah. what I is mean... a what is a superb choice tim i think great you. choice. yeah dominate yeah. very good this has been yeah. a lot of fun it's been the best. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so you know, much. It, it's so wild because I only watched this movie the other day. And like after this conversation, I I really like I'm ready to watch it again. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just one of those movies where it's just so exciting to watch and there's just something else to take away from it. And it's so, so sharp. It's yeah. so exciting. And and just to um, ladder up to your point before, like it's deeply emotional and mm. devastating as well. Like you've got a guy who's dealing with grief. So, and that's, that's a layer of the movie that I probably um, lent into more as an, as an older adult. Mm. Uh, this time there's just more empathy. There's just, there's just more of a connection with the character that I hadn't experienced before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely got more out of this uh, repeat viewing some 15, 10, 15 years on than I anticipated. Yeah, it's a great point, Sam. And I've got um, young, young daughters as well. And even that scene mm -hmm. where you know they flash back to where he's in the pool and he looks away for a moment and then looks up and, yeah. and she's gone. 
that that got me a different layer, layer than before. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. wow, that's uh, that's pretty full on. And just, just seeing his like panic where he's like running around and stuff, like it's great scene. But um, yeah, yeah, it hits it, differently as you get older. It does, yeah, it yeah. does totally. If uh, in a world of remakes and sequels, which one would you prefer if they remade or made a sequel? And uh, you know it's going to come at some point. In fact, I think they even made a series. Actually, uh, they tried it, tried a series on the the precog, and I think it lasted one season. So, Did I didn't know that. Yeah, apparently none of the original actors in it. Um, but yeah, it was supposed to be Agatha, played by a different actress, apparently, and maybe and Kate even... Blanchett. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. get Kate onto it. But yeah, which which would you prefer if if it had to happen? Well, look, interesting that you said that Minority Report was at one point going to be a sequel to Total Recall, and the remake of that with uh, Colin was it Colin, Colin Farrell? Farrell? Yeah, really? yeah. Oh my wow. gosh, this is blowing my mind. Whoa, um, that wasn't <laughs> great. Uh, that yeah. was really not great. So I don't think I'd want them to remake this. I actually think it's a perfect movie. Uh, yeah. So I mean, fuck it. If if I had a choice, make a sequel. Let's yeah. go um, yeah, leave potentially alone. murder or not murder some more yeah. people in the sequel. Bring Tom back. He can yep. still good. Yeah, Bring Tom <laughs> back, and he can try and uh, hit fifty-seven k's an hour. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, the trivia will be true next time. So. <laughs> it will be true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, Tim, awesome. thanks so much for for joining us today. And uh, people can listen to your podcast, Popcorn Podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You can you can find us wherever uh, you listen to podcasts. Uh, popcornpodcast.com is our website. We have a YouTube channel and we're on Instagram and all those things. So um, yeah, come check us out. I hope you enjoy it. And guys, I've had the best time. Uh, Paul, Sam, thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. Our pleasure. Thank Thanks so much, okay. Tim.